Welcome to Mutterings from a Bald Guy podcast. My name is Chet, your host. You will find sermons and teachings that put Scripture in its rightful place of authority on this podcast. If you like this episode or any, could you tap five stars and leave me a review? When you tap those stars and leave a review, that significantly helps me spread more salt in a morally decaying world. Hey, let's bring life to the dead together. I was able to hand deliver your love offering to Pastor Steve and Pastor Brent, and they were very, very grateful. And that is going to go straight to Disaster Relief, which they're doing is setting up a fund And all that money is going to go directly to people who are in desperate need of it. So thank you so much for that. And those of you who don't know, or maybe you were not here, we took up a love offering and it ended up being about $5,700 when you total in other churches in the community, what you gave. So thank you so much for that. I praise God for your faithfulness and your compassion for other people who are going through a difficult time. Those, uh, that video and those pictures obviously do not do it justice as we were there it was difficult for me to get um, a lot of good pictures while we were driving through, through town. Um, there's a lot of rebuilding to be done, but there's no doubt that they will get it done. Um, we are a resilient people in general. God has designed us that way. So whenever we are faced with suffering and uh, despair like that, you see kind of like a fight or flight mentality come, come to play. And what I got to witness there and What I mentioned on the YouTube video I just published was the difference. There's a difference between people who believe in Jesus and people who don't. The people who believe in Jesus, their life is in shambles, but there's a glimmer of hope. The people who don't believe base all their hope and trust in the things that they have. And when those things are gone, they're trying to find other things to place their hope in. And it's a a place of despair and suffering with no hope. And so know that your relationship with Jesus counts for something. And also, I might add before I continue that that stew yesterday was stew-mazing, was it not? (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for you who came out to cook and prepare and you who came out to eat and buy many quarts of stew. I know that it was a blessing. Um, The rain did not stop us. We were out there with tents and getting wet and stirring. I believe that uh, Paul Fuller probably held the handle the most in stirring the stew. Would that be about right? Billy, would you say that's about right? He, uh, he was the one, boy, he'd come up, he'd be, hey, you ready for it? I'd be like, yeah, man, go ahead, Paul, stir. You know, he was ready. He, he worked hard, and there's no doubt that everyone did. Got to eat some fried liver. My arteries clogged a little bit yesterday, but, and I got to eat Miss Sharon's fried apple pie for the first time. Um, how, was I sleeping these past three years? Because that stuff was amazing. Uh, so anyway, I had a good time yesterday. Thank you guys so much. And also, if you notice in the foyer, There's a a beautiful little tree there with snowflakes. If you're wondering how you can help with our West Virginia mission trip, which is a very important mission trip that we do. Hey, if you haven't figured it out, we are about missions at BBC. We're about sharing the love of Jesus here. And so our year, uh, hopefully as we continue to progress towards Jesus coming back, would be more and more and more missions. So that's a mission trip we take every year. This year, it's going to be in the first week of December. And Miss Jane has put together something out there for you to contribute. So if you would go back there and look at those snowflakes, see how you can help in our trip this year. They're on the bulletin board as well. Yes, ma'am. Good deal. So hope can't be manufactured out of our own designs. Would you agree with that? Hope can't be produced by our feelings. Hope is something that comes from 
outside of us. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. And this hope can only be obtained through believing in the one and true only son, Jesus Christ. And we see in John chapter 20, verse 31, you guys are going to recite this verse in your sleep by the time we're done with John. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, we place you on your rightful throne. We believe that you are God over all creation. We believe that you are a triune God, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Father, I pray that we would not leave here this morning without encountering you, without repenting before you, without believing upon you, Father, that we would be the people you've called us to be and that we would never lose sight of the precious gospel, that we would never lose sight of the hope that you have given us and this hope is to be shared, it is to be given, it is not to be kept to ourselves. We love you, Father, and we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Think about this for a minute. How many times do you have to teach your coworkers something before they get it? Oh, come on. Y'all know y'all know what I'm talking about. That coworker at work that always got to ask you how to do something and you've been telling them how to do it for the last five years, right? At least two, okay? Let's just be nice. At least two, at a minimum of two times. Well, Jesus had to teach his disciples the same thing over and over again as well. And if you remember two weeks ago, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit teaches us things at the right time when we are ready to receive it. Amen? And so Jesus does this with his disciples because he cares about them. He wants them to understand these kingdom teachings that we've been talking about through the book of John. Jesus says in chapter 16 that he'll be leaving, coming back again, and then leaving. You can imagine that would probably make his disciples question some things or maybe get them a little upset because Jesus is all they knew. Jesus is who they followed. They left everything to follow Jesus. And so for him to say, I'm leaving and coming back and then leaving again and then, you know, come back and then I'm I'm going, I'm going forever. Uh, You know, you'll see me again at some point. Then I'm going to give you this helper. You can imagine their minds are probably like, what in the world is going on? They didn't quite capture what Jesus was teaching just yet because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. But this is what Jesus is teaching them and what we know today. Joy is the antonym of sorrow. John chapter 16, verses 16 through 24. In a little while, you will no longer see me. Again, in a little while, you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he's telling us? In a little while, you will not see me. Again, a little while, you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. They said, what is this he is saying in a little while? We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, Are you asking one another about what I said? In a little while, you will not see me. Again, in a little while, you will see me. Truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Verse 21, when a woman is in labor, she is in pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take away your joy from you. In that day, you will not ask me anything. Truly, I tell you, anything you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing 
ask for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. Now, this passage is talking about the final return of Christ. Jesus' disciples will be joyful again when he comes to see them. Now, what we know is that we call this time Easter when Jesus rises from the grave and he comes back to his disciples, which is the last time he comes back. He just resides in another place for a little while before he comes down and reigns the kingdom, correct? Whenever we get to be with him in glory forever. But we see that this is his resurrection. This is whenever his disciples will truly start to grasp the teaching of him and this helper, this Holy Spirit, this mighty counselor that's coming, that's going to dwell within them so they can have joy. They're going to be sorrowful because they think their Lord, their master, their teacher is gone. He's dead. But then they will receive joy when they realize the teachings that he has given them is true and right. In John chapter 7, verse 33, says this, Then Jesus said, I'm only with you for a short time. Then I'm going to the one who sent me. Now, in verse 20, you see that sorrow is temporary. Sorrow is temporary. For for us as Christians, sorrow is temporary. Even if you are sorrowful from the moment you were born up until the moment you die, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it is temporary. We all know some of us have more of a disposition for sorrow or more of a disposition um, of sadness. But ultimately, no matter which side of the spectrum your personality is on, sorrow for the believer is temporary. But I would submit to you that as you seek the Lord Jesus, you will learn to have joy abundant here on earth as well. No matter how hard and difficult life can get. And the reason I know that is because I've seen the account of the disciples in the scripture and how they were able to be joyful in the midst of persecution and suffering. I read about Christians in other countries who are joyful in sorrowful situations, and I have pastored and shepherded many people through the last nine years, and I have seen how they can be joyful in sorrowful situations. And so it is possible, very possible. Now, verse 21 mentions childbirth. Childbirth is endured for something much greater than pain, life. Can all the women say amen? And all the men are reminded just how much stronger their wives are than them. All the men say amen, (laughs) especially if you were in the labor and delivery room. This is a quote by Ted Engstrom. Leaving a warm bed when a voice in the night says I'm cold is being a loving parent. Parents spend two years teaching children to walk and talk and 18 years trying to teach them to sit down and be quiet. (laughs) James Dobson out of The Strong-Willed Child says, quote, child rearing is like baking a cake. You don't realize you have a disaster until it's too late. Just kidding, guys. We know that childbirth and parenting is obviously a blessing. See, God does make women forget about excruciating pain, though. You know how I know that? Because I witness women still want other children, okay? God does that because there's an example here to be made. Jesus endured death on the cross for something much greater. That's forgiveness available to us, life available to us. Just like a woman bears the excruciating pain of childbirth because she knows what the end result will be a beautiful, precious baby. 
So why did Jesus endure death? Jesus endured death because he loves us, he sees us as beautiful, precious children, and he wants us to have availability to the Father through him. Luke 7.32 says this, and this is in reference to those who reject the gospel message of Jesus Christ. They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to each other. We played the flute for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a lament, but you didn't weep. This passage refers to children turning down the chance to play at a funeral. In other words, it represents those who reject Jesus as Messiah, reject his death, reject his sacrifice. Now, we see Jesus, he brings in this new era, right? He brings in this new uh, covenant, And this new covenant means a new found relationship with God the Father that has been foreshadowed all through the Old Testament. The name of Christ, I love this quote by Sweet, the name of Christ is both the passport by which the disciples may claim access into the audience chamber of God and the medium through which the divine answer comes. Now, the intimacy that will come with the relationship with Jesus Christ, listen to me carefully. There's an intimacy that comes when we accept Jesus Christ. We, he dwells within us through his Holy Spirit, right? His Holy Spirit is the agent, the mighty counselor, the helper. And this allows us to have an intimate relationship with God. Which, by the way, that is how we can experience joy here on earth, no matter the circumstance. This dwelling of Jesus within his disciples and their obedience to his word assures their success. Now, what kind of success are we talking about? The success of having joy. The success of having joy. Jesus dwelling in us assures our success in God hearing us and us having joy. Now, you can make the argument God does hear everything. He is omnipotent. He is all-knowing. He created all things. But friends, listen to me. God especially listens to his children. When you, when you look through the scripture and you see the importance that the New Testament places upon a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you see how important it is to God that we go to him through his son. It's the only way to him. He especially cares for you. Do you know that this morning? Do you live that way this morning? See, Jesus made a way for the literal spirit of God to take up dwelling within the disciples. He made a way for the Holy Spirit of God to literally take up dwelling within us. So wherever we go, whatever we do, we are taking the witness of God with us. We are permeating the darkness by the light within us. It's a very great responsibility, as I said a couple of weeks ago. So this resurrection we're talking about, this resurrection of Jesus means victory. Victory over what? Victory by Jesus opening up the door for us to experience peace and suffering, y'all. This life is tough. This life is hard. This life is unknowing. This life is confusing. This life throws things at us every day that we're not ready for. This life produces suffering. This life, naturally, by the fallen nature of it, is difficult to cope. Amen? It's only through Jesus that we can experience joy. It's only through him that we can experience peace. Now, many of us may be thinking, I, have, I hear you, preacher, I hear you. 
I hear you. I've been hearing that message for my whole life. But I don't understand how I can obtain true joy in the midst of so much suffering. The greatest suffering in my life produced the greatest joy. You know why? Because when I suffer greatly, I seek greatly. And when I seek the Lord greatly and pursue his face like I've never pursued him before, this thing happens and this this thing happens where he comes dine with me. Amen. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, you know what I'm talking about? Open the door and I'll come in. When we seek the Lord, he is faithful in that promise. So when we suffer, we seek the Lord and we experience his goodness. So I encourage you this morning, whether you're suffering or not suffering, seek the Lord. I mean, who here doesn't want peace and suffering, right? No one in their right mind would reject peace. I mean, think about it. Every single belief system, contrary, counter-Christian, every belief system outside of Christianity seeks peace. They seek it through an idol. They seek it through some type of spiritual practice. They are seeking peace. But friends, we have the great peace. We have the only peace, everlasting peace that can be obtained. John 16, 25 through 33. Turn to somebody and say, stay awake this morning. I understand the sun's not as bright outside, so we got kind of an ambiance in here. If we play some classical music, we might start hearing some Zs. You know what I'm saying? John chapter 16, verse 25 through 33. I have spoken these things to you in figures of speech. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. On that day, you will ask in my name, and I am not telling you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I am leaving the world and going to the Father. Verse 29, his disciples said, look, now you're speaking plainly and not using any figurative language. Now we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God. Jesus responded to them, Do you now believe? Indeed, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous or take heart. I have conquered the world or I have overcome the world. Now that, that word time there in verse 25 means hour of glorification. That moment when Jesus returns to the Father and sends his Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus mediated his Father's presence to the world. I'll get the, I want you to grasp this picture really quick. We're talking about the God of heaven, the God of earth, the God of everything that you see around us. He has created. Now, Think about this for a minute. Jesus is literally the mediator of God's ultimate presence to us. That is a powerful symbolism. I mean, we're talking about the God who holds all power, who has no beginning and no end. He is infinite. He is almighty. He is superior. And Jesus mediates that power. Jesus mediates that love to us. And we can experience his presence through Jesus. See, you know what I've noticed whenever you talk to people about Jesus? They like to hear things like, 
Jesus loves you. And they like to hear things like, Jesus is for you. And they like to hear things like, Jesus died for you. Those are all good things. But when you tell them that the Ten Commandments condemns them to die because of the sin in their life, they don't like to hear that. That's part of the gospel message. In order for us to come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to realize how sinful and disgusting and disgraceful we are. Y'all, I got some news for you. Every single one of you in this room, including me, is a disgrace to the Lord God Almighty because you're filled with sin. Oh, preacher, stop. This is not a good feel message. This is not a feel good message. I can't take it. Y'all are sinful. We are sinful human beings. That's why we're here to worship the Lord Jesus because he provided a way to peace. He provides a way to salvation. We can't do this on our own. We can't parent our children on our own. We can't have a thriving marriage on our own. We can't be successful at our job on our own. We can't even cook a good stew on our own. We need the presence of the Holy Ghost there stirring it. Amen? Jesus has to be the sinner. He has to be. Augustine says, the son does not ask the father, but the father and the son alike listen to those who ask. The Holy Spirit will guide the disciples, and they didn't quite understand that just yet, but they're going to. And we know that the disciples did not understand it at this point because if they would have believed at this point, they would not have scattered. Jesus is referencing when he gets taken in the Garden of Gethsemane and every one of them runs away, right? What was Jesus' last words? John chapter 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Now I want to point a few of these out for you, okay? The first one is in Jesus we have peace. See, some of us have a postmodern definition of peace, and I'll tell you what that is. Some of us think peace is a feeling. Peace is not a feeling. Peace is a security. Peace is a hope. Peace is a promise from God. Now, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we walk with him, we experience emotion of peace the emotion of joy. But true biblical peace is a peace that gives us security that we know in our minds and our hearts where we're going when we die. It's a peace that we know Jesus is who he says he is, that God is who he says he is, that the Holy Spirit is who he says he is. That's the kind of peace that we get. Number two, that we see in verse 33, we will experience suffering. I can count on two hands the times that I've experienced suffering in my walk with Jesus. And these are true moments. It could either be attacks from Satan or it could be just the fallen world and experiencing that kind of suffering. And I, I remember through those times thinking to myself like, oh, you know what? Oh, Satan's after me. I just, I just, I don't know. He's, I'm, I'm such a good Christian. Satan's just trying to attack me. And you know, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's really Satan or just the act of the fallen world and the suffering that we're in. But I do know this. If you walk with Jesus, you will suffer. If life is perfect for you right now, you need to make a decision today to walk with Jesus because I'm telling you something. He doesn't call people to live comfortable lives. He calls people to be on mission in uncomfortable places. 
to do uncomfortable things. He calls you out of your comfort zone, brothers and sisters. So if you've been living life in a comfortable zone, I want to encourage you to step out of that comfortable zone and walk with Jesus. Because he will take you down some alleys you're not comfortable with. He will take you out in some barren pastures you're not sure about. He will reveal things in your heart that you're not ready or you don't think you're ready to see. Walking with Jesus will produce suffering, but that is a sign that you are walking with Jesus. Even in beautiful America, in countryside Virginia, if you are on mission for Jesus, people will not like you. And you'll find yourselves in some conversations that, frankly, you probably don't want to be in, which is okay. You be strong in the word. And you be strong in who God has called you to be. Number three, be courageous. Jesus has conquered the world. I've had to have some conversations through the years with either people in church or family that, frankly, I try to avoid. I am the kind of person that I have the personality, personality type that I don't mind confrontation. I just, that's who I am. I'm just an upfront kind of person where I like to take charge and lead. That's who I am. I'm not sorry for it. That's who God made me. But when it comes to certain situations, certain situations I like to just hide. Anybody else? Anybody else? Am I the only one? Anybody else want to be transparent here? Okay. Three of us like to hide. All right. So, um, you know, some of those situations are just uncomfortable, but in those conversations, in those situations, you know there's a certain thing God wants you to do. Maybe he needs you to stand up for something, or maybe he needs you to share something with a family member that you know is not going to be taken well, right? But you do it because you're trying to be obedient, and you're walking with Jesus. That's a sense of suffering in this world. You're meeting restriction. You're meeting confrontation in the name of Christ, and I want to encourage you today, maybe the Holy Spirit's bringing something up in your mind, in your heart, that you've been running away from or that you've been hiding from. I want you to be courageous. And I want you to do what you know the Lord is telling you to do. But please, please know that he's telling you to do it through his word, not by just your feelings, because our hearts are deceiving. But if you see in the word that you need to do something, I encourage you to do it this morning. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Do it today. In ending, to understand number three a little better, I want to look at the word world. In the original language, it means order, ornament. It's all that God has encompassed in his creation. And Jesus is saying that he has successfully conquered all that is within it. He is absolute master of it all. Discipleship is about learning how to discover peace when surrounded by threat, how to possess Tranquility, despite those hostile to your faith. The solution is courage, and that courage comes through Jesus. Do you have courage this morning? Are you being discipled by the Lord Jesus in a growing, fruitful relationship with him? If not, you can choose to do that right now. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to ask you to come forward. It's such an important invitation. I want you to seriously think about it. I want you to dwell on that just for a moment and think, am I truly trusting in all that Jesus is? Am I walking in his ways? Am I obtaining this peace in such a depressed world? Am I walking with joy and suffering? Is this a mark of who I am? Is this a mark of who God has created me to be? 
You can make a decision now to follow Jesus and enter into a time of refreshing. And I ask you that if you do make that invitation, if you do accept that invitation, would you just jot that down on the connection card and drop it in the black box? Or if you have any questions about this, please do so so I can reach out to you and we can talk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy, Father. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for Jesus' resurrection, for the teaching and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word, Father, that we can dig into your word, that we can see even through suffering, we can obtain peace. Even through suffering and sorrow, we can experience joy. And God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy, with a knowing, a confident, courageous knowing of who you are in our life. And God, that if the Holy Spirit was bringing about anything in this room today, any of my brothers and sisters here that knows they need to get out of this church and make something right, or they need to get out of this church and make a phone call, or they need to not wait till tomorrow to have an encounter with a coworker, or whatever it may be, Lord, whatever you've been teaching them, and showing them, and leading them, and guiding them. I pray that they would be obedient. It's in your name I pray. Amen.